December 13th, 2023. Let's continue in our limud, our study of Moren Nebuchim. Let's learn this evening from Chelek Aleph, Perek Lamed Aleph. If you recall, last class, what we ended up discussing toward the end of the class was, well, much of the class was dedicated to that sulam, that ladder ramp in Yaakov's dream at the beginning of Parashat Vayeseh. And we in turn were talking about and reading the words of Harambam, how he understood it in contrast to other thinkers uh, over the course of Jewish history, his understanding of that sulam was really representative of the rungs, the levels of intellectual growth, intellectual capacity, and the rising being the real direction, and the coming down only being responsibility once a person has achieved that. We contrasted it to others and understood, and this has been much of a, a motif throughout Moreh Nebuchim, as it should be, for Harambam, uh, the appeal of life, or the purpose of life, uh, when it's fulfilled best, is really growth in intellectual capacity, grasp, and understanding. We started that way in our Limud at the very beginning of the Moreh, in Chelek Aleph, Perek Bet, where Harambam contrasts the life in Gan Eden to the life afterwards, the life of Emet in Sheker, defined as perfected intellect, as opposed to that which we live with, the human Tov and Ra existence as it is. So really, much of our conversations have, in one way or another, revolved around that sort of issue, because many of our conversations, certainly last year, revolved around the concept or the difference between Harambam's thought and others with regards to appreciation of matters of essence in terms of Kedushah or even Tahara. For Harambam, there's no such concept or essence with regards to Kedushah. Kedushah is an atmosphere, a circumstance, a situation that for a person, maybe objectively, but generally speaking subjectively, the person is able to, through that context, grow in their appreciation intellectually and connectedness to God. Whereas someone like Ramban Nachmani, Rabbi Udah Levi, and really the vast majority of Jewish thinkers will see things very differently, I guess, along the lines of simple interpretation of the text of the Torah, which seemed to suggest an essence of Kedushah, a holy land, a holy place, etc. Even Akedat Yitzhak, notably, right, A.B., Akedat Yitzhak for Harambam was an achievement or an initial failure in intellectual understanding, prophetic um, inspiration for Abraham Avinu. And in turn, well, the conversation revolved or, or evolved last, uh, last time into a conversation further about, well, how would someone like Harambam, who was talking to us about that growth intellectually, how would he appreciate and understand, well, let's call it this, at the very least for today, how would he understand engagement in um, conversation with regards to halakha? Not performance per se of halakha, but Talmudic debate. For Harambam, how does he understand that? If the purpose of life, as I'm audaciously suggesting it, is about growing in into a point of absolute truths in terms of understanding. Well, what is it, and is there anything of depth or anything of essence in the back and forth, the famous Havayot Abayeverava? Now we do know, and we're very familiar with the fact that Harambam wrote a book called Mishneh Torah, wherein he effectively stripped away all that back and forth, all the dialogue, all the ups and downs, all the shakla and hit us with the bottom line. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the purpose in that? Now, in his philosophical work, in contrast, that was really a point of departure in that conversation, Adam Bum's vision is 
that the journey is very much part and parcel of what we're seeking to achieve. Uh, what about in Talmudic debate? And more specifically for tonight, what I'd like to talk about is an issue which has, for time immemorial, vexed many a rabbinic mind, and that is, and here the introduction ends, what is mahlokit? What is debate and dispute? Is that, so to speak, an ideal? Is that a reality? Or is it some... Now, I, I agree. So now, Abe says, you know, you're going to talk about the difference between the Shem Shemaim and Shalom, the Shem Shemaim and Mishnah, and Avot, etc. But I'm, I'm, I'm before that even, I, or beyond that, let's say. I'm in Bet Shemaim Bet which the Mishnah and Pekah Avot says is Mahlok L'Shem Shemaim, which is Sofa Lihit Kayim. There's something positive about it. Should there be Mahloket? In other words, if we're to really take Harambam's thought to its logical conclusion, we should be living in a world of absolutes. Is there room for dispute in matters of objective thought with regards to something like halacha? Stated differently, and this is really where we're going to go, he won't bring us there immediately in the more. is halacha a system of that sort? Is halacha, is gemara only a way of getting to halacha l'ma'aseh, and as a result, dispute doesn't and shouldn't exist? Or better yet, is halacha something that's pure in that respect? It's an, almost an emet in sheker domain that mahloket shouldn't exist in, but does for one reason. Okay, so that's the, that's the direction, that's where I'd really like to get to, and I'd like to end with a dispute, would you know it, between Harambam and Ramban Nachmani. But I want to give Harambam in this perik an opportunity to voice his opinion on these sorts of matters in the backdrop, in the initial stages. Um, here, on page 70 and 71, Harambam is talking about, and we'll read some of it, or maybe all of it, Harambam over here is talking about the difficulty of, well, intellectual thought. Uh, by definition, uh, to be an intellectual, to think intellectually, means you won't understand everything. You're a human being. Uh, that's the baseline conversation of Harambam. Once he addresses that and makes that clear, that just like our senses are limited, so too our brains are limited, he'll then say, let me tell you something. There's three, and I said, scratch that, four reasons for dispute. And none of them will be ideal. Some of them will be reality. None of them will be ideal. It's from that I want to then progress to talk about halacha, something he talks about in his Hakdamat Perusha Mishnayot, but which reads congruously, reads perfectly together with this Perik. So Aram Bam writes the following. Da. Ki yesh mosa'e hasaga asher bekocho v'tivo shel hasechel ha'enoshi lahasigam. There are intellectual constra- or, or intellectual concepts which our brains are capable of grasping. Stated simply. Ah, however, of course, this will be the novelty. There just are certain realities that our brains, as human brains, as flesh brains, if you will, just won't be able to entirely wrap our head around and will never fully understand. Now he'll talk about this on a subjective level, you have a lower IQ, and I'll talk about it on an objective level. Certain things human beings just can't understand. He's going to spend a lot of time just making this point. Sometimes we can understand one angle, one perspective, not two perspectives on a single issue. The fact that you understood something 
doesn't mean you understood it entirely. Oh, so I got the idea of quantum physics, but it doesn't mean I actually understand any of the content. He says so too. For example, sight. I can see something partially. He talks about senses. I can smell something, but I don't really smell the whole thing. I can touch it, but not entirely, and so forth. But sight is really the easiest to articulate in this respect. I can see something, but not entirely so too. I can see, and we talked about that actually, seeing meaning in the biblical sense, understanding, says I won't fully understand it. And so too you'll find with all sorts of bodily uh, reality. or a is a measurement. Let's call it a uh, a pound. I don't know, whatever. Someone can carry a pound, it's got to be more, and but can't carry ten. So too, again, you can uh, achieve in terms of your understanding a little, not the entirety. Uh, you could have thought it's an all or nothing thing. You got it a little. Come on, you'd be able to understand. So nothing that we don't know. It doesn't work that way. There are achievements in terms of levels when it comes to intellect, just like everything else. Everyone's aware some people have better eyesight than others. Uh, some people have stronger muscles than others as well. There's a limit. This is important. Says Harambam, says, finally, he says, you should know there is a limit. There's a limit in terms of human achievements. We have the Guinness Book of World Records, and effectively, we can say definitively, at least in today's day and age, that a human being cannot lift more than XYZ pounds. Now look it up what the record is right now. We can say quite definitively, nobody, at least today, can carry more than that, and so forth. There are limits. Harambam, of course, is going to say it's the same thing with intellect. A, there's different achievements. B, there's a limit to all human capacity when it comes to intellectual endeavors. Mamash. But he's at the end, the final line, and he's going to carry this over to intellect as well. He's going to say, to the, to the whole mean. Man is limited. Human beings are limited by definition, right? Not, human beings can't pick up everything. That, that was his mashal. Human beings can't understand everything. There's a gvul for everyone. Objectively, this is uh, identical with regards to intellectual endeavors and uh, capacities. In terms of human beings, there are different capacities, different IQs. Different abilities. Everybody knows that. Sometimes you find someone who, on his own, he autodidactically, he just, if that's a word, right? He just taught himself it. He figured the whole thing out logically. He picked up, I don't know, it's not, it's not really intellect, but he picked up, uh, this comes to mind, he's very musical. He's able to play the piano on his own. Another person just can't wrap their head around music. Uh, but it, no matter how many lessons you gave them. So a person can intellectually pick up on mathematics, on certain scientific realities, and so forth. Another person will just never grasp it, but he got the best tutors, the best teachers. Just his brain doesn't work that way. Even if you give them that person who's more limited, 
any example, any expression, just can't get there. You could spend as much time, sometimes, on a certain concept. I mean, this is easiest in today's day and age with ages. You know, you, you, you try to teach, and I still have some young children, try to teach us a young child and uh, a complex concept. What do you mean? I give them every example I could have, in the school even. I'm teaching in high school, right? I'll give them the best examples. Their minds are just not mature enough yet. Um, sometimes a person's mind never matures entirely. You can work as hard as you want to get that point across. It just won't go. Their mind just isn't capable of grasping. This is where he goes into that point, A.B., where he says that there isn't a infinite intellectual um, potential for human beings. There is a limit. I mean, define it accordingly in every field and realm, and, and we can and will in certain realities. And that doesn't mean that over the course of time we won't discover more and we won't understand more, but it does mean that we are limited. By definition, sometimes we realize, my goodness, that's impossible for me to understand. That's just an impossibility for a human being, and we accept it, and we move away. I'll accept, I'll say, that's not within human capacity, understanding. I remember, any, yeah, go ahead. Within Torah or God, or just natural? Anything. Okay. But I, I, the example I was going to give is God. Good, perfect. Sadiq Vera'lo says, Abi, the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu asked that of God, and God said to him, you can maybe see from behind, you never fully understand. I remember as a young boy asking my principal in school, and so I said, I have a very important question. I said, where did Hashem come from? So he said, Avi, spend the rest of your life, if you'd like, thinking about that, you'll never have an answer to that. All right, it was an early lesson, but it was a lesson well learned. Well, there's certain things we just, you just won't. Variety of words within the question that you changed into. True. But he's about to give an example. True. Says Says Kigon. We don't know and won't know the full quantity, even with the greatest utensils, at least the way we understand things right now, right? Even in 2023, the greatest utensils and mechanism. You can't count all the stars. It's actually, we never will. I believe, uh, no, I don't know that because as the words of God to Avraham were imtu chalispor. You won't be able to, all right? Good luck. And certainly today, vimisbaram zugo prat, and by definition, you don't know if it's an even number or an odd number. You don't know how many there are. You can't. And, and don't start. I mean, unless unless you like futile attempts and and uh, and and um, what's it called? Exercises. You can try to quantify the amount of organisms and living beings in this world. You're not really going to do that. Matachot, metals. Little did he know. You know, we do have. Elements, but the elements, and we know, we know we don't have it exhausted, for sure. And growth, etc. Here's where Haram gets into the point that I'd like to really address over here. <coughs> he starts in this paragraph. There are certain matters that a person feels, I'm really passionate about understanding this. This natural 
impetus, drive to understand something, to get to the essence of the matter, that people who are naturally or conditioned to become thinkers, well, they can all relate to that. When it comes to a matter of this sort, there are different types of thoughts. There'll be disputes amongst, amidst those who are looking into the matter. And in turn, there'll be doubt. People are passionate about it. People are looking into it. They're in turn going to have different opinions, different understandings. I say, I got it. I understand it. I'll prove it to you. I'll explain it to you. And you have a different view. We're dealing with a very deep issue, metaphysically or physically. Each of us is passionate about it. Each of us, in turn, is going to have a different... What about an issue where you can't bring a... You can't bring empirical evidence to this. So, you're postulating and you're thinking, and I'm pontificating, and I'm uh, trying to figure... So, each of us are coming up with our own opinion. Fascinating point. Do you follow what Halambam is saying? Where does Mahloket base level come from? situations where you can't achieve full truth as a human being. That's what he has said to us thus far, right? Um, uh, key. Any matter which can be empirically proven in the Gabad Mahloket. You cannot and should not have any dispute. I mean, so far so good, right? In other words, if it is something that's objective with regard, go to the laboratory and, and test it. Uh, there shouldn't be any dispute about it. It's only when we get into the fine details, into the why, into the understanding of it. He says, for example, the people who believe that the land, that the world is not round. Uh, they're staring at the evidence and the reality and they're denying it. That's a boor. He says, and for example, uh, that there's a revolving nature. Of course, he doesn't talk about heliocentricity. That would be funny because he would have it right. Yeah. This category of the boor or whatever, Machlokit is still okay? With him, is he still giving it a... No, he's saying that's nonsense. The boor is nonsensical. No, boor, Aside from the boor, in a situation where it's not empirically proven, that's where you should have. That's there and only there should you have machlokin. He's not even going to weigh in on positive. It's a reality. It's a reality. If you're looking at... If you can observe it... There, there should be, be no machlokin. Right. So to, to say that... It's a chair. It's a chair. You want to sit there arguing That's with right. To, to, to state where I want to go with this class clearly, now that we read this much, is I want to know, and he'll make it clear for us, once we finish the moreh on this issue, what is halakha? Is halakha a chair? Or is halakha uh, the amount of stars in the heaven? Right? Is halakha determining um, objective realities? and you and I just might not have all the utensils, and, and it's a tragedy in turn? Or is halakha by definition going to be something prone to mahlokit? You'll be surprised, I see your reaction, you'll be surprised by Haram approach to it. it you'll, you'll, you'll understand where, where I angle this, and you'll very, I think, intuitively 
not have an easy time with Haram Bab's approach to it. Mm-hmm. Regardless, halalu enam no He says, we're not talking about the boor, the, the foolish people who make those mm-hmm. sorts of claims. Devarim ele matters like that. She ta'orra ligabam ligabihim mevukharabim me'od be'inyanim ha-metafizim me'atim be'inyanim ha-physikaliim v'ne'idarim be'inyanim ha-matematim. He says, listen, you're not going to have it in the mathematical realm. You will have mahlok in the metaphysical realm and so on and so forth. Uh, apply accordingly, says Harambam. Now, I'm going to set forth for you a student, or a, a student in terms of, of, uh, of commentary, of Aristotle. His name, Alexander Me Aphrodisus. Uh, says Harambam, I'm going to quote from him three reasons for dispute. Once I finish quoting him, I'm telling you, Harambam will present a fourth reason. Here we go. Alexander Maphrodisus, Amar. And, uh, you know, they, they give you the, it says he, he lived in around the year 200. That's, of course, later than Aristotle, but he was an Aristotelian scholar. Elsewhere, it's, uh, it's cited that Harambam wrote in a letter that he very much suggests studying Alexander in order to get a full understanding of Aristotle and full philosophy. Amar, he had this claim. There are three reasons that underlie dispute. Ha'achat. It's that we like to be in control and we're self-centered. And in turn, we want to know best. And as a result, we will be in our minds skewed because we have to be right. So I will disagree with you because I care about myself being better than you and having it right, even though I'm just not looking at it properly. Number one, we're doing this fully l'shem shemaim. I'm looking into this with the full-fledged right intention, no self-centeredness, absolute objective thought. However, it's very difficult to understand this. It takes a very sharp mind. It has a certain depth. It might be impossible to fully understand. We'll have mahlokit there as well. So the first one, this self-centered inappropriateness. Second one, I'm looking into a matter difficult to discern. Kind of what Harambam was talking about earlier. Hashilishit boruto shel hamasig v'yecholto lahasig ma'shev shalasig. Lastly, it's not that it's so deep. It's that you're so shallow. So you don't really understand it. That's why you're getting into this dispute. You might even have the right intention. You have a low IQ. Kachzi and Alexander. Bismanenu. For one reason or another, Harambam attributes this to his time. It might be, I saw in a, the other translation of the, uh, of the More, this is just Derech Nimus. He might just be speaking uh, with, with manners. He says, in our time, there's a fourth reason for Mahlokit. Something happened over the course of 900 plus years, like human beings changed. Hard to believe. Harambam might just be speaking, you know, this is a manner. You know, you should know, those are beautiful reasons. I think another reason has developed. Yes, Sibar, Vi'it, Shulot, Sienota. And we give these three reasons, the reasons where people post. People post. Interesting. Either they're Interesting. Looking to promote themselves or they're the reasons a person will post on social media, Oh, he's right. One, oh, oh, you're saying by definition? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm using the post as a mechanism to teach. I'm an educator. Oh, come on, that exists. Interesting. Good point. There's a fourth reason. This is, you should know, in the Greek time, uh, in the Greek uh, atmosphere, they didn't have this 
this other reason. It's only in our Yeridat HaDorot. Um, again, I think it's manners. There's the nurture. There's the fact that we get used to is wrongful four, thought. This is number four. Oh, we're conditioned. We're conditioned, right conditioned word. Conditioned to what? Conditioned to yeah. wrongful thought. We're brought up, we're the brought up in a community, in a, in a community and a home where our minds are not sharpened on this issue. I heard so many times that God has, and this is going to be his example Sorry. if I'm not mistaken, that God has a body. Sorry. I should be able to right. get past that, right. but I've been so led askew right. from the fact that everyone has talked that right. way. Not that you're, the, not that you're, not you're not low IQ. Is that the no, that's what I'm saying. Not that he's saying this is the category. Not that I'm a brilliant person, right? right? However, I was brought up right. in a society where they think about a certain matter or matters in a shallow fashion. Right. And as a result, I you can't understand the problem. That's right. And I, and I can't get out of it. We have a tendency to the matters that we're conditioned and most comfortable and innate There it is. He gives a funny example first. He says, you know, the desert people, they're piru'im. They don't live a very refined lifestyle. They don't have any pleasures and they eat very uh, exactly uh, exactly the amount. Say it again? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good They won't enter into the cities. They won't get uh, any of the benefits from culture and society. They just prefer living a very low-level, um, uh, almost crass lifestyle. These people open their eyes, tell them they have opportunities, show them the potential. They can't jump into nafsham no tiskon lishkon ba'armonot. They don't want to live in mansions. Lilbosh big de meshi. They don't want to wear fancy clothing. Litanid mirhat to have a pleasurable experience in the bathhouse. Vilim shohatzman b'shem and b'vsamim to anoint themselves. They 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 won't go near any of that. They've just conditioned themselves. You can't convince them that there's something positive, even in terms of a a a, a physical experience. They can't see it. So to a human being who is brought up with a certain intellectual atmosphere, they're stuck. They'll defend them. They can't see otherwise. But this is very... But this, this final one... That's right. It just becomes ingrained. I mean, but listen... Uh, I, as, as a teacher of high school students, I can definitely relate to this sure. one. Students come from, and it's a beautiful, wonderful community that has certain ways of thinking about things, both in, it's okay, both in terms of Judaism and in terms of general knowledge. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, they go out and they, I'm not even in the classroom right now, right? They'll leave the classroom, leave the school, and they can't wrap their head around different thought. They can't accept it. I, what do you mean? But, but I set forth for you, both as a teacher in the school and out of the school, Here's how I told you, his example is going to be anthropomorphism. He says, He says, people do have hagshama visions. Hagshama meaning giving God a material essence. Uh, the only reason they believe that, the only reason they're stuck on that is because they've spoken or been spoken to or been surrounded by such thoughts so long. Kefishin as Birkozot. Pesukim, 
right, but the interpretation of the Pesukim has conditioned them to it. They got education based on books and they were, uh, went through a system. They so much respected those books and the authors and the writers. You have a book like the Torah, like the Tanakh. It's written not to be taken literally when it talks about God being hara'af, by God having a yad hazaka, but they, through their allegiance to the Torah, ironically, have been sucked into the simple and wrongful interpretation. Okay, so this is, this is a, a part of those reasons that I'll still talk about. As says Harambam, these are the four reasons for mahloket. Let me be clear again. For Harambam, and, and really for anyone, hard to argue this, right? When I'm dealing with an objective reality, unless you're dealing with a bur, you could not and should not find any machloket. When it's something that can be proven, certainly sensed, there should be no grounds, no room for dispute. I'm very clear that he does. Halambam is very clear about that. And again, so for Halambam, that's many matters. What my question tonight is, and it'll only get the question, the ball rolling in this, will and does Halambam believe that's the reality with regards to halacha as well? In other words, is halacha, when we talk about a concept in the Gemara, and I'm not going to address it per se tonight for Halambam, of Elu Elu Divre Elohim Hayim is such a matter that these and these are the words of the living God and two sides of a dispute can both have a certain truth to them, can Harambam accept such a reality? Now, you might say that, well, Halakha is that domain which is so different, it's metaphysical to a certain respect, it's meta in terms of thought, it doesn't have concrete mathematical and scientific constructs and, or, or realities, and in turn, there can and should be mahlokin. Alternatively, not ironically, in my opinion, Harambam, and that's what we'll turn to right now, in his Perusha Mishnayot, seems to take a very different approach. For him, mitzvot follow in line with the sort of domain that shouldn't have mahlokit. The reason there might be machloket, and he'll very much appeal to the Gemara and Masechet Sota, is because our minds have not been refined properly. We haven't been a, a part of the methodology appropriately. That will be his angle. I will mention already now, although I don't want to address this tonight, that it probably fits neatly as well the fact that for Harambam, all mitzvot have a reason that we can and should be able to discern. If that's the case, so that I think spills into a halacha conversation as well. I think for him, if it all has a reason that you should discern and be able to figure out, then you shouldn't be. We're talking about something that's more black and white and less prone to colors and interpretations than someone else like Ramban Nachmani and many others might argue. This is all without addressing, let me be clear, whether, according to someone else, Mahloket is appropriate. It's whether, it, excuse me, whether it's positive, whether it's appropriate or not, Harambam, I'm already telling you, will think that in Halakha, Mahloket is not appropriate. It exists, but it's not appropriate. It's going to fit into one of those four uh, uh, domains. The question then will be, 
Well, it's clearly not positive for Harambam. Mishneh Torah doesn't have any Mahlokim, not positive. Will others, and of course we could find room, believe that Mahlokim might not only be necessary, but it's positive as well. Go ahead. But this is um, one of the letters I learned, Rabbi Withdraw my original opinion, be in the area of free work, and that would be my character. So he is saying that he does not, not have the ultimate. Answer. Oh, I, he's not he's not going to be so bold and audacious to say he knows the answer to everything. <laughs> right, right, right. But he but he argues that there is. That's what I believe he's writing in in, in his Perusha Mishnayot. Because it sounds like he's that's just to be clear. When you say something is absolute truth, that doesn't ne- require it to be singular. True. That's so true. To be different. That's very true. Clear about that that is true. I can even tell you mathematically. Old times. Understood. Are you thinking of old times? Or are you thinking of? No, it, it, good question. Good in other words, meaning what could be? They could both. They could, they could be more than There one could right be answer. truth in two things, and they're both quote absolute truths. It, no, it, just mathematically. I understand. If you do a quadratic equation, you get x squared plus whatever plus whatever, and x can be negative four can, positive can, seven. You can fit. You can fit two answers that are both true into it. Uh-huh. Understood. Um, here, Harambam, this is in his introduction to Perusha Mishnayot. Of course, one of the first written works that we have of Harambam is his Perusha Mishnayot, his commentary to the Mishnah, which of course was written in Arabic. This is a translation of it. Um, it was written in Hebrew font, but Arabic words. Um, it's, it's a youthful uh, writing. Which one we do? From page Kavzain. You see that? Page Kavzain. Um, Harambam here is in the midst of talking about what's called Perush Mekubal Moshe Rabbeinu, which was very near and dear and important to Harambam's heart because in a time where he had to contend with Karaites, Harambam needs to be clear, our interpretation to the Torah has a real rich tradition to it. When we define, we've talked about this in the past, when we define Periyat Hadar as an Etrog, I'm leaving out Ayin Tachat Ayin on purpose now, right? We talk about Periyat Hadar, says Harambam, there's no Mahlokin about it. It was received tradition, there's no disputing. And then he says, but wait a second, have you? I, I, I will admit, I have opened up to those big tomes called Talmud, and I'm aware we have a lot of dispute. How am I going to explain all that dispute? So that's what he's, he's in the midst of addressing over here. <coughs> um, in, on the right-hand column, we'll start in the middle of that uh, paragraph, in the middle of the, the three paragraphs, Velo Yehiyu. He says, Velo Yehiyu mahlokot uvikuach elo kapala. We'll only find dispute on matters where there's no Kabbalah, no tradition. You'll find throughout the Talmud. What are they disputing? What's the difference between them? What are those issues when the Gemara asks those sorts of questions? We don't have a strict and clear tradition on them. This is, Actually, an, this is an important is question. This is very important. It's a very important question. Very important question. Sure, sure, sure. This is a very important question. There's no simple answer to it. There's, firstly, many different approaches as to how to define Allah Chalam Hashem Sinai. But what seems to be, from the fact that there's so many different approaches, that it's never 
one, in other words, that, that there's not one halach, there's not one principle for when the Gemara says the words halakha al Moshem Sinai, what it means. Sometimes it does mean, in their eyes, there's a tradition all the way up. Sometimes it means, this is a matter, don't fight with it, and so forth. Famously, Harambam, here in his Perusha Mishnayot, counts, uh, I don't remember, 20-something, or I don't remember the exact number, halakha al Moshem Sinai. He says there's only, I mean, it's 15 or something, there's only 15, and the, the book Havot Yair, for example, did the research on, he says, what? You're only off by about like 80. So was, why is he doing that? He knew Talmud, Harambam, you know. So it seems as if, and this is the direction you start even from Harambam's words, that even he is saying there are different types and different natures to it. But over here, uh, he's now on the other angle, on the things that are not called halachal Moshe Sinai, on the things that are clearly not tradition, quote-unquote. Ki pe'amim, he says, on these matters you have to dispute, pe'amim hem olchim v'inyan zeb m'ksat mekomot, umodi'im et sibat ha-machloket v'omrim she-ploni nitla b'dvar ploni, o ploni nitla b'dvar ploni, kayotep is that sometimes they'll tell you, this is what they're disagreeing about. Aval. This is, you know, someone thought there's a word out there that the matters of dispute were received from Moshe, right? So this point, Sammy, you might say that different opinions both have truth, and there are midrashim to this extent that Moshe elu elu that the Vre Torah were received with shivim panim and uh, he, he, he says, kol mm-hmm. says, and, and, and the direction over here is that over the course of time, the reason we have disputes is because of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right? And the best example, the best proof you can bring that Everything, and again, Halambam will not accept this, everything we have in Talmud is all based on shaky origins, on mistaken students. The Gemara Masechit Sanhedrin says, From the time that we had many students of Shammai and Hillel, who didn't do full-fledged shimush, didn't do full-fledged uh, adherence and allegiance to their rabbis, Rabeta Mahloka be Israel. Dispute became widespread in Israel. Vinaset Torah Kishte Torot. And the Gemara says, and the Torah became like two Torahs. That's bemoaning the fact. That seems to be blaming. Hareze Hai Hashem says, Harambam, I swear. This is davar me'od. Do not accept such an approach that all mahloka that we have is as a result of wrongful thought and inappropriate uh, chain of tradition. Lots of harsh words about someone who would believe. Talmud. Why would you come to think this way? Because you didn't study Talmud properly. You didn't understand the words. This is a bore to a certain extent. You didn't, a person who believes this, didn't realize that they needed to distinguish. There are two types in Harambam's world vision of halacha, two types of halachic uh, entities. There is tradition, and those, in his opinion, were never lost. 
Those stayed in place and nobody does or did dispute them at any point. That's his vision. That's how he understands it. And then there are the matters which were never explicitly passed down with a tradition. Those matters are where we have dispute. Pause for a second. Should we have dispute over there? That's where Harambam points to this. Which is the core concepts. Correct. And the Chidushim which is what do we do in this situation? Correct. Knowing that we have the concept undisputed all the way back. Correct. The way has such a small number of Tanamus uh, Yemis tonight because to be able to say that this is the absolute, I can't expound it. it, it it's possible. It's possible. It certainly, it certainly fits. Uh, again, Harambam is, is, is steadfast in his battle against the Karaites, etc., in making this claim that we do have certain uh, certain objective realities He's that are tradition no that can't be. There is one Torah. There is one message right. given to Moshe. No, no, we don't know it all. We don't know it all, but there is one message. No, no, it's very significant because because it means now that the Talmudic principles that they're dealing with and accepting yeah. without a debate are purposeful, are truthful. In other words, if you want to make a claim, no, the Talmud is filled with mahlokit, what makes me accept anything, says Rambam, you're making a mistake. The Talmud is filled with mahlokit on the matters, on the details, on the issues that we don't have tradition on. Everything else is tradition. This is his claim. More function, how do I apply that concept? Oh, sure. Sure. Which is far from easy to do, right? There's no questioning that. There's no question as far. Now, once he's arrived at this point, now Harambam says, now I'll turn back to that Gemara. Now let's remember that Gemara. That Gemara which says that when there were so many students of Shammai and Hillel, that's when Mahloka began to proliferate. So he goes like this. He says, first and foremost, let me be clear. Uh, there are, uh, I'm not going to read all this together with you. I want to I skip down to Umashe Amru Mishirabu. He says, Umashe Amru Mishirabu, Talmidesh Hamai Vihilel, Shiloshim Shukot Surkan, Mabitam Mahlok Vihisrael, Harenyan Dvarimelu Pashut Meot. Let me explain to you this matter. Kishne Bene Adam. Here's where he's getting to Mahlok conversation. Two people. Shem Shavim Bahavana, Ubeayunu Biediata Yesodot Shemehem Lomdin. Shamayan Zakim. Not their students. Shamayan Zakim. To very wise people, says Harambam, who had a tradition in terms of how to interpret the Torah, who had a tradition in terms of principles. They were both very wise and therefore agreed on almost everything. This is a very important point for Harambam. Shammai and, and, and Hillel agreed on all. Do you follow what he's saying? And now that's why I'm reading this line in line with and together with what we read in the Moreh for Harambam, and he'll, he'll, he'll be more articulate, articulate, it's not possible that two wise people mm-hmm. who have the background will have dispute when it comes to halakha. Again, others might say that endemic, I know, is negative, that it's part and parcel, the essence of the halakhic enterprise, right? In other words, it was open to dispute. You know, sometimes in two places, the Talmud says that the Torah nitena lahachamim. You know, for example, when it comes to Cholamoret, this famous Gemara Masech Moet Katan, the Gemara says that 
my words, but it's what the Gemara says, that the, the Torah is purposefully ambiguous with regards to prohibited activity on Cholam You want to know why? Because it was given to the rabbis to determine. Do you understand what that means? So that is an extreme case. But what I'm suggesting is you could have understood differently than Haram Bab. You could have said the whole enterprise of Halakha is not... Um, uh, not a laboratory investigation, is not empirical evidence, is not a mathematical equation that can have one or only two approaches. You might say that by definition, it's a different type of system. Harambam is not saying that. His words over here are, are that Shammai and Zakin had very few disputes because they were smart guys who Absolute understood truth. the system. Smart rabbis. I'm willing to use those words. Whatever they mean, but I'm willing to use those words. There was a... They had very few. He's going to count the few. I mean, he won't say it explicitly. He'll say that the Talmud has very few. The footnote will cite it. Three or four mahlokot. That's it. Hillel and Shammai themselves. And that's what the Gemara is remarking on in Sanhedrin and Sota. That it's only their students who have the proliferation. Now says Harambam, you want to know why they're students? Because at that point, they became more shaky with regards to intellectual processes, methodology, and tradition. The tradition wasn't law, says Arambam, but in terms of application, they were less strong. And he's, and he's very clear, don't blame it on them. He's defensive, there's no questioning. But for my purposes, for our conversation tonight, talking about this in the context of the more, Arambam's applying this general principle that when I deal with truth, I shouldn't have mahlokit on objective realities, to, at least in my reading of it, to halacha. Kishem shelo nimtza tamid mahlok ben Shammai ve'ilel, ela bahalachot ahadot. He says there are very few laws that Shammai and Zakin actually disagree about. It says in footnote, kafe, kamvuar bagimara, nimnu bagimara sham, arba mekomot. And so the Gemara has very few cases where Shammai and Zakin and Hillel themselves actually disagreed. Their approach to study They were very close in terms of their analysis. They both were wise traditional individuals. And so to the principles, they had similar upbringing in terms of education. No? Why not? No, don't you find a, a host of times that they... Shammai and Hillel themselves? No. Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel. And that's the point, says Harambal. Listen to the words that he says. And when their students became weak, their study, their intellectual grasp was weakened because they weren't involved to the extent that they should have been. And says Arambam, we're not going to blame them per se because they may have been trying and they didn't have as high IQ and maybe it was the and so on and so forth. But says Arambam, that's where Mahlokin and Halakha sprang forth from. I'm being very clear, not everyone, and we're going to read from Ramban Nachmani, in my opinion, the vast majority of rabbinic thought does not see matters this way. Of course, you might in turn appreciate why the vast majority of rabbinic thought are very expressive in their Talmudic love and embrace, because the Mahloket might have an inherent feature to what Halakha is about. The Eluva Elu Elohim Hayim may have been, so to speak, a champion call over the course of generations for many others. Whereas for Harambam, not so much so. Yes, Sammy. No, but one is a statement of there's one way to understand Torah, 
and there may be a variety of ways to apply it, as opposed to, no, there's more than one way to understand Torah. That's, that's a fundamental difference, because if you, if you think that there's more than one way to understand Torah, then you're going to open yourself up to all these different groups that say, no, it means this, and it means this. Right. This isn't a, concept, so, this isn't a conversation so, so, of this see, means this, this means that. This one. is a conversation No, to be clear again, but Abi, the reason he's doing this, and this is clear contextually and, and societally, Harambam needs to talk a lot about this because he's under attack from non-traditional groups. And so as a result, his point is Talmud is built on foundations, which are indisputable in his mind. It's only everything after that, when there's application, and there's further interpretation, and there's okay, fine-tuning. I have to return something that's lost, right? But there's a whole conversation about when you believe that someone's going to give up on whatever it is that he lost, and so it's not, you're not disputing that I have an obligation in society to return to right. but how do I, at what point do I give right. up on that is a debate of right. under what circumstances so that's is what, the guy that, that's right. To, that's why he keeps repeating that the sodot exactly. are there without mahlok. Exactly. And, so, and now just four lines before the end of this paragraph, he, he just concludes on this matter for our purposes. Mm -hmm. Him, and I'm He says the students of Shamayin Zaken, they're not guilty for this. We can't expect the students of Hillel and Shammai to be as wise as Yehoshua and Pinchas, which is, of course, first generation, right, right after Moshe. And in turn, we shouldn't have doubts about their truthfulness and the steadfast approach to truth, etc. They're not Hillel and Shammai. God, he should be exalted, didn't make us, uh, to that extent, uh, responsible for having it all figured out. Absolutely. He is being defensive here and giving a pass to Talmud, for all intents and purposes, from those who might attack it and say, what happened over here? Says Hanambam, it's natural. But again, although those are his words in terms of his defensiveness, those are his words with regards to the students of Shammai and Zakin, ironically, the part that's most exciting, not, not most exciting, most significant for me tonight is that in Harambam's eyes, to state it clearly, halakha shouldn't have mahlokot. Halakha, in terms of principles, was passed down, and if applied properly, in other words, without Sarat HaGalut, call it, etc., there shouldn't be dispute. The same way in Moreh Nebuchim he talked about, in the words of Sammy, a chair is a chair, we shouldn't have any machloket. God, it doesn't have a body, unless you were conditioned wrong, you should accept that as well, we shouldn't have a machloket about that. Famously, although he's not addressing Harambam, Ramban Nahmani has a line or has a paragraph in which he disagrees with such a notion. His vision of halakha, we should not be surprised, is altogether different. Now I'm going to circle back to our introductory remarks to the class. We've remembered that we've been seeing a motif throughout. For Harambam, in intellectual matters, what we're seeking and searching for in life is a certain perfection in it. For Ramban Nahmani, it's A, not all intellectual, strictly, and B, his understanding of even concepts intellectually are less, are less absolute truth-oriented uh, 
than Harambam, right? That's very much the direction Ramban Nahmani has been leading us in. So in my opinion, it very much matches the general philosophical notion and direction to say that halakha will be translated accordingly. Because, this, I'm sorry, Ramban says there's no absolute truth? He will because say... Because it's lost or because we just don't know it or that the system? Because both the halakha system and life, in my words, are prone to, uh, I'm going to use okay. these words, are prone to more subjective experiences, okay. are, are prone to more experiential uh, okay. dimensions. Okay. Kiddushah will be a feeling and an experience, whereas for Harambam it'll be the opportunity to intellectually grasp something. Okay. Ramban Nachmani will say, no, you, you, you connected. What does it mean you connected? I can't really tell you what it means to connect. connect. I could just tell you, you felt something, and that something was real. Harambam says, very nice, you felt something. I'm glad you felt that. Get over your feelings. What did it make you understand? Right? Now, that, that is very much a dividing line. These words of Ramban Nahmani are found at the uh, beginning of this, the back of the back section of, of standard Gemarot in Masechet Berachot. Masechet Berachot, of course, being the first of the Masechtot. In the back of all standard Gemarot, generally speaking, there is what's called the Piske Harif. Harif, Rabbi Yitzhak al Fasi, a biography on another occasion, codified the Gemara. But prior to Harambam, and Harambam had a real fidelity to him, had a real respect to him, uh, he took the Talmud and condensed and brought down final lines on the Sugyot. Now he's more Talmudic than Harambam in his presentation. He does it al Seder HaMasechet, he doesn't do his own, you know, Mishneh Torah, but that's Rif. Rif has on him different commentaries. One of the well-known, not commentary, but disputants of Rif, his name was Rabbeinu Zerachia HaLevi. Rabbeinu Zerachia HaLevi was, uh, was from Provence, was from southern France. And he has a different vision, and he's later, and he wrote as a young man, and he wrote a commentary called the Baal HaMaor. Uh, Baal HaMaor is from a place called Lunil, which of course has to do with the moon, so he called his commentary the Baal HaMaor, Maor, Maor HaKatan, Maor HaGadol, Cute name. Now, he, as a young man, disputes and disagrees with many matters that Rif writes about. Ramban Nachmani, following him, says, the audacity of the chutzpah, a young whippersnapper going against Rif? Who do you think you are? I'm going to write a book called Milhamot Hashem. I'm going to write a book called The War, Wars of God, and I'm going to defend Rif. In a different class that I addressed, that, that I talked biographically about Ramban Nachmani, I quoted at length and gave examples of uh, the, the approach that Moshe Halbertel has to understanding Ramban Nachmani. Ramban Nachmani, he claims, as a general direction in his rabbinic career, he defended the tradition with, these are my words, with the ways of the current. I, I'm fascinated by that. In other words, I'll explain. He wants to defend Rif. But he doesn't defend Rif on Rif's terminology. He uses dialectic, which he took from the Northern French Academy. But he's defending the earlier generation who didn't think like that. But that's the way he does it. So he's like this defender of the tradition, but he speaks the language of the time. You know, in other words, the rabbi who wants to defend tradition, but so to speak, needs to learn the sciences and the culture in order to do so. Regardless, Ramban Nachmani in his, that's all just tangential, Ramban Nachmani in his introduction to Milhamot Hashem has a fascinating statement. He has the following, if you read it together with me, it says, after it says, Amar Moshe Bar Nachman, you see those bold words in the middle, maybe six, seven lines down? 
Now skip down from there even, um, several lines down, and I'll tell you where to go to. Yeah, um, you'll find it um, three words before the end of the sixth line. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he writes, okay. And you, you don't see it, Avi? Over here. Three words before the end of the line, my finger's on it. And you, who's looking in my book, don't say in your heart, in your mind, all of my answers, that's the Baal right? Don't say that all my answers, all my responses in defense of Rip, those answers are Teshuvot, Nitzachot, Umachrihot, Otchalehodot, Bahem. That's what it sounds like. It's a funny yeah. word that he uses. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, but maybe he means when you begin looking at it. Yeah. When you begin looking at my commentary, don't think that everything I wrote is um, the final word. Mm-hmm. Don't think every answer, every response, every claim I, get, I had against Baal Hamar or against Rabbeinu Zerachri Levi is an answer which is nitzahat, is the winning answer. It says, you know, uh, and as a result, you're going to get all haughty. You're going to say, ooh, I caught Ramban on something. Mm-hmm. Says, no, you caught me on something because, well, he's going to say it in a second, because by definition, I have an approach and you could have a different approach. I can never, Ramban Nahmani will write, I can never sufficiently and entirely prove anything. This is not mathematics. This is halakha. It says, and maybe you're going to take, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the small hole of a of a needle uh, in order to um, dispute me and to poke holes at. Don't think that you won't be able to do that. Don't think your even cursory glance at my commentary initially is going to yield and make you think and realize, well, here's a book that's perfect in terms of all its claims and approaches. Accept it, and if you have a problem with it, there's a problem with you, or you should get really excited that you... Ki yodea, the, the major line, the, the famous line. Kolome Talmudenu. Because anyone who learned Talmud knows. She'en b'machloket mefarshav that there's no dispute, that in, within the disputes of the commentaries and commentators to the Gemara, you'll never find ra'ayot gemurot. You'll never find ironclad proofs. You'll never find realities that are, well, realities. You'll find of kushyot halukot she'en hazot mofet barur. There's no empiricism when it comes to halakha. There's no objective truth when it comes to halakha or one truth. Kigon, for example, you'll find in astronomical uh, domains, you'll find in mathematical, in scientific realms, there you'll find empirical truths. In halakha, says Ramban Nachmani, you won't find so. So to summarize the class, and again, I think that where I want to angle this next is to talk about ta'ameha mitzvot, how it might dovetail with this general tendency of Harambam versus Ramban Nachmani. But, what's that? I mean, it's good, it's good to be an ever-changing new But I, I understand. 
but okay, I, that's, that's, that's exactly what I might want to address, how Harambam envisions that. But regardless, just to summarize the class then, Harambam in Halek Aleph, Perek Lamed Aleph of the Moreh, made clear for us that Mahloket should not be found in any case where you have something clear in front of you that can be proven. You'll find five, four circumstances where Mahloket will exist, and for our purposes, the best place where it exists is where you just can't prove it. And that's why we have different visions, because we have a passion to get to the truth, but we can't prove it one way or another. We questioned what would it be in the context of halakha, and we read from Harambam's Haktamat Berusha Mishnayot. Therein, Harambam wrote that when it comes to halakha, in its most distilled uh, state, there wasn't much mahloket. Want to know why? Because, it seems clear to me, mahloket doesn't exist, Harambam said it, when you're dealing with chokhmah. Halakha is chokhmah. It's like uh, techuna of, of Ramban Nachmani. It's like uh, mathematics. It's like the scientific realm. That's how Harambam sees it. Ramban Nachmani, as we read, clearly disagrees. What lies, perhaps, again, at the core of this mahloket, what underwrites their two views, for Harambam, Halakha fits right into the system of existence. System of existence is one in which intellectual pursuits are what we're driving to, to get to a bottom line. Halakha, in turn, fits right into it. For Ramban Nachmani, although we don't know what he believes, we do, we know he disagrees with that general notion, he disagrees within the context of Halakha as well. Now, last part, and we didn't address this, is for someone like Ramban Nachmani, does he celebrate Mahloket now? Or does he still bemoan it? And you understand the question because what I'm what I'm suggesting, and this is well documented by many, um, that there might even be a, st- a stage beyond this. Not only is it a reality within halacha that you'll have disputes. Not only that, you should know disputes are what make halacha so special. You should know disputes are the way you find a relevant uh, voice in it. Disputes are the way I open your eyes and mind to a relationship that is deep and enduring with God, etc. That's a final note, note on this point, which I'm not fully addressing right now. But again, Harambam's vision on halacha is very telling. And Ramban Nahmani should be no surprise. His counterclaim with regards to the nature of halacha as well, very much in line with his general philosophy with regards to Torah, uh, existence, and halakha fitting right into that in terms of, uh, so to speak, allowing for an experiential, a subjective, a different-natured existence than a pure intellect. Baruch Amen ve'amen.